Silas in Acts chapter 16 and here they are beaten, they're beaten, they're sitting in prison and they're going, oh praise your name, oh praise your name, (laughs) praise your name, praise your name, they're sitting there beaten in chains, 
probably freezing. I don't know. But, you know, the, the conditions that they had in this prison and they were saying, I praise your name. I praise your name. And then an earthquake came and the chains came off. The chains came off when they stepped into praise. The chains came off when they stepped into praise. Not only the chains came off them, but the chains came off the people around them. They were like, how do we serve this Jesus? Oh my goodness, this is Jesus. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Look what he's done for you. I want to know this man. And so the chains came off the whole community. There is incredible power in praise, no matter how we are feeling. Let's not elevate the enemy when we're feeling at at a low time, you know, when we're feeling beaten, when we're feeling like we're locked up in chains. Let's Let's not elevate the enemy, but let's elevate the King of Kings because He came to give life and life to the fullness. I think, I think we need to praise His name again. Let's praise Him. Let's step into that. Let's break some chains off this morning. I'll praise Your name. Woo! I'll praise Him. Your name. Yeah. I'll praise Your name. anyway, isn't it? (laughs) Amen. Let's step into praise all week. You may be seated. Welcome to church this morning. 
warming up. Warms you up too, doesn't it? <laughs> Praising. Especially when we get dancing. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, look, we're going to celebrate. Has anyone had a birthday or a wedding anniversary this past week? Has anyone had a birthday or a wedding anniversary? Has it been a quiet week in the celebration area? It is too. I did see that cave fickling on the other side of the world. We bless you, okay? How old is she? Oh, no, no probably shouldn't say that, should we? <laughs> Maybe she's getting past that. <laughs> 21 again. God bless Kay. Mum, shall we give you chocolate? <laughs> you can tell Kay that you got to enjoy some chocolate, unless you want to save it for it. She might be coming back for a little bit. <gasps> yeah, no, you can eat it. <laughs> It'd be lovely to see her in September. God bless Kay, incredible woman of God. I saw somebody say that there was a, someone needed a, a replacement singer um, and somebody put a message, Kay, do you want to come and sing this weekend? We know that she would have loved to. We will see her in September. Well, that'll be great. If you're here for the first time, Today, we welcome you this morning. We pray that you enjoy your morning with us today. Relax and enjoy the beautiful presence of Almighty God here with us. We do have some welcome packs at the back. If, um, if, you haven't re- if you're here for the first time, you haven't received one, we'd love you to pick one up on your, on your way out beside the beautiful Bev Misson down there. Give us a wave, Bev. <laughs> yeah, give Bev a hand. <laughs> Love you, Bev. We've got uh, a couple of things coming up. Well, we've got lots of things coming up. You need to keep an eye on the Activate News that comes out by email every week. If you don't get that, then please contact the office and and make sure you get signed up for that. So keep your eye out for that. But uh, next Sunday, we have Pastor Graham Lauridson with us, which is going to be great. Here he is up there. And also, so he's uh, based in Melbourne. He's going to be with us in all our gatherings next week. And also the week after that, we have Ray Andrews. How many of you remember Ray Andrews? Yes? Irish psychologist. That's going to be great having him with us um, all gatherings the following week as well. Today we've got Pastor Sheridan. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> An update for you on our missions. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, church, for for giving in to that. So here we have it here. We have 108 of the commitment cards, the cards that we filled in for our missionaries, the faith commitments. There's the total, 275,000. Isn't that awesome? And then we, yeah. And then we have... Can you see the boots going across the world there? The boot, the footprints, sorry. You can see some filled in in green, the green footprints. They are going to get all filled in as the money comes in, as the faith commitments come in. So the green ones that you can see that are already filled in, colored in, is the money that is already received in. And you can see that each boot, each footprint, 
is 10,000 given. So we do actually have 36 and a half, I do believe that is, that represented there, those footprints. 36 and a half thousand has already come in. And so isn't that fantastic? So our, our um, beautiful missionaries across the world are rejoicing. We do um, 108 commitments. I reckon there could be some more cards yet to come in. So if you have missed out, if you haven't um, had an opportunity yet to, to give, um, put your card in, then there are cards next to the giving stations at both both the giving stations on your left uh, as you exit. So um, this is something that we do as a church, isn't it? Something, something that we do as a church family. So if you haven't got your card in, it'd be great to put your faith commitment in for the year. So we will keep you updated throughout the year on how that is going. We want to fill all of those footprints up. Thank you, Lord, for providing all of that. Amen. The kids are out already uh, they're watching a movie in the downstairs cafe so bless them and may they be blessed by that movie in Jesus name well Sharon Sharon is going to come and read Psalm 76 for us so how about you give Sharon a hand as she comes good morning everyone this is Psalm 76 verses 1 to 12 from the New Living Translation. God is well known in Judah. His name is great in Israel. Jerusalem is where he lives. Mount Zion is his home. There he breaks the arrows of the enemy, the shields and the swords and weapons of his foes. You are glorious and more majestic than the everlasting mountains. The mightiest of our enemies have been plundered. They lie before us in the sleep of death. No warrior can lift a hand against us. When you rebuked them, O God of Jacob, their horses and chariots stood still. No wonder you are greatly feared. Who can stand before you when your anger explodes? From heaven, you sentenced your enemies. The earth trembled and stood silent before you. You stand up to judge those who do evil, O God, and to rescue the oppressed of the earth. Human opposition only enhances your glory, for you use it as a sword of judgment. Make vows to the Lord your God and fulfill them. Let everyone bring tribute to the awesome one, for he breaks the spirit of princes and is feared by the kings of the earth. Let's just take a moment to sit silently and listen to what the Holy Spirit might highlight to us.
Let's stand together as we continue in our worship. We're going to be singing about surrendering to God. Surrendering, surrendering is laying down our desires, laying down our plans for His. It's not always easy. And we do have a choice. But it is the best way. Father God, we come to you this morning in full surrender. Lord Jesus, we lay at your feet that which we want to keep to ourselves. Father God, we trust you. We trust that you have a better plan for us than the plan we think.
church um, many, many years ago um, in a little Norwegian Lutheran church and we used to sing this song, I Surrender All. And as a family, my own family, hearing my father sing next to me and my mum on the other side and siblings and my own relationship with my father, my earthly father, isn't 100% due to many reasons, but I feel that there are people this morning who haven't have got something with other family relationships or the, the heavenly father that they're needing to surrender to him. There's a, there's a sense of brokenness, of um, something that's holding them back from walking in the fullness, maybe unforgiveness, um, that they're needing to surrender to Jesus this morning in order to have the fullness and the freedom that Jan spoke of right in the beginning when we were praising Jesus. And part of that is surrendering to Jesus and laying it at his feet, asking for his forgiveness. And then he does. He, he forgives us. He cleanses us. He washes us. He places a white robe on us. And he sets us free. And I don't know if there's anyone this morning that is needing to make that step, that first step of asking Jesus for forgiveness, of surrendering of placing at his feet that they would be forgiven and 
clothed in white and set free. How about we sing, I surrender again? And, and if, that's, if, if you are responding to that, then Holy Spirit is calling, calling us to that place of surrender. He doesn't want us to be chained up in that place of, of unforgiveness, whether it's others or whether it is our relationship with God, but surrendering all to Him. He is for us. He is for us. There is someone who is against us. The enemy is against us. And I think sometimes we can, we can uh, put Him above our Heavenly Father. But the enemy is actually, He came to kill, steal, and destroy. But our Jesus, our Heavenly Father wants to set us totally free. He wants us free. He wants us surrendered before Him. Chains come off. So if that's you, let's just sing that through. And how about you respond? However you, you might like to just raise your hands, respond to Him right now. He wants you in a place of freedom. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I moment lifting hearts, lifting hands to you that may be struggling with relationships or forgiveness, I ask that they would physically feel you lift that weight off them in Jesus' name. Lord, that it would be a supernatural transaction take place even now. In Jesus' name. And Father, where there's been weight, you would release freedom in the name of Jesus. Where there's been weight, you would release an ease 
in the name of Jesus. We were trying to carry something that's yours to carry. Father, I pray that we would really sense that that is now in your hands and you've got it. And that this morning, this place, this time would be a place of freedom for every person seeking it. In Jesus' name. Father, let that sense of surrender even come as a relief this morning when we realize it's not us, but it's you. It's not about us, but it's about you. It's not about our plan, our purpose. It's about your plan, your purpose. It's about your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. ourselves this morning, Lord, that by surrendering surrendering ourselves, we're elevating you to your rightful place. And our soul does sing of your majesty, of your love, of your goodness, of your kindness, of your grace, your hope, your peace, your mercy.
Jesus said, if we drink the living water, we'll never thirst again. If you're thirsty, if you're feeling dry, this is a great time to drink into the Holy Spirit. Literally breathe them in. It's literally in the air we breathe. Allow them to fill you afresh. Holy Spirit, rest on every person over there. Every person. In Jesus' name. Amen. Beautiful presence of God amongst us, isn't it? Wonderful. Well, feel free to take a seat. Say, say hello to someone beside you as you sit down. Make them feel welcome. <clears throat> I couldn't help but wonder while Jan was encouraging us to praise God like Paul and Silas did. I don't know how your brain works, but Jan was saying, I can't remember how the song goes now. I praise your name. How's it go? I praise your name. That was it, eh? I praise your name. I praise your name. I was wondering if they were singing that or if they were singing the other bit. Oh, 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 oh. But anyway, no doubt you weren't. Well, this morning what I'd like to do is um, uh, a little while ago I actually started in on a, a chapter in the book of Acts and talking about Stephen and the sermon that he delivered to the leaders of the church, of the, the, um, the church, well, the Jewish religion at the time, and um, we looked at a few things at the start of that, and as I kind of kept reading my Bible, I thought, my goodness, we need to keep working our way through this, so I'm coming back to it. And um, if you never heard the first one, that's all right, you have to go and find the podcast. But essentially the context is we pick up learning about Stephen, and Stephen was one of the seven that was uh, chosen to be a leader in the church. We call them deacons. It's probably where our term deacon came from. They were actually chosen to administer the food program to the church because um, it was an argument had broken out that the, the Greek widows weren't being looked after like the Jewish widows. So the apostles were pretty cunning, really. They chose seven Greek men to sort the problem out. And they said, you guys come up with the solution, sort it out, because we've got a job to do, and we're not doing our job because we're trying to do this job. And so they commissioned Stephen and six others to do the job of, of looking after the physical needs, really, of the community. 
And uh, if you remember, if you were here, it parallels very much with when Moses was struggling under the weight of leadership and his father-in-law Jethro gave him instructions of how to look after the community. It's very, very similar there as it goes on. But uh, Stephen's an amazing man. He was a man full of God's grace and power, says. He was a miracle performer. And he was also the first martyr in the New Testament church. So he's, he's a fascinating character. So today I want to carry on with uh, some practical steps or steps to living a purpose life. But there's a warning first, because I think that living a purposed kingdom life may not be what many of you would consider to be a balanced life. Living a purposed kingdom life, I don't think it's what many of us would consider to be a balanced life. Does that make sense? So uh, the way I look at it, sharing the message of Jesus, living with passion, purpose, fervent, being fervent, being committed, uh, and, and love, etc. Words like that are generally not words that go with the word balanced particularly well. In fact, I think we're called to live a life that isn't balanced. I can't actually find in the Bible where it tells me to live a balanced life. It tells me to live a life sold out for Jesus. That's what it tells me. And in today's world, I don't think living a life that's sold out for Jesus, a life that's focused on the kingdom of God, would be considered a balanced life. In fact, I had um, some stuff happen recently, and I was just trying to work through it. And this may surprise you, but I am a human. I know, I know, but I am a human. And I was struggling with some kind of feeling through the situation. I was feeling a bit bruised, a bit uh, undervalued, a bit like I'd been treated unjustly. And, and I needed to pastor myself a little bit. And I said to Jan, while I was working through it, I said, why does this hurt when I'm supposed to be dead? Why is it hurting if actually the call on my life and your life, have you been baptized? Put your hand up if you've been baptized. Most of us. So you've died to self, just like me. So what's the problem when we struggle with things? It's like, okay, move on. Now, we are humans, and you've got to work the process a little. But I said to Jim, why, why is it hurt? This, it's, it's because I'm not trying to live a balanced life. I'm trying to live a sold-out life. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you take a few knocks. Sometimes it hurts. But sometimes you just got to get up and go again, and go again, and go again. That's what Stephen was modelling to us, except he couldn't keep going again because they killed him. But we live in the strangest of times, don't we? We live in the health and safety culture. I know. We got the health and safety talk this week, and it was very good. It was needed, but we got the health and safety talk. You know, everything is... Everything is wrapped in cotton wool these days. I think of my childhood. I think of growing up. I have got no idea how I'm still here. <laughs> how did I make it? Because we had, life was a bit of an adventure. But now, my goodness, everything's got its place. There's caution. Well, let's minimalize the risk of everything we do. But the strange thing of today's society, that is on one side. Yes, let's minimize the risk on everything. 
health and safety. But on this side, morally, anything goes. Absolutely anything goes. There's no consideration of risk whatsoever. You do whatever you want. In today's world, I can turn up here on Sunday as a man and I can turn up tomorrow on Monday as a woman and turn up on Tuesday as I don't know what I am and it's okay. That is one screwed up world. Can I just say that? Is that all right? Yes, well, I did. That is a screwed up world. So we've got this on one side. We've got health and safety on the other side. What, what's a balanced life even look like? Well, I think it does look like pursuing Jesus. That's what I think it looks like. But I think a biblically balanced life is a radical life. It's a radical life. I can't help but just as I was going through here, um, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 15, this is where Stephen, um, where am I? Acts chapter 6 verse 15. It says, at this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen. This is after he's been accused or while he's been accused. They stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. That's amazing. I had this thought while I was preparing today. I don't know if you've ever had it. What was the expression on Stephen's face when his face glowed? I wasn't there. I can't answer it. But I wonder what it was. Do you think it was that, you know, because if you see a picture, eh, it's that angelic picture. But, you know, there's angels of judgment as well. I've got a feeling that the, the look on his face would have been more about the look in his eyes. I reckon if he looked at you, then I reckon his eyes would have pierced your soul. You know, in Jesus' revelation, talks about eyes of fire. I can't help but wonder if what just pierced your soul. You know, what did, when he looked at Saul, who was holding his jacket, I wonder what Saul saw in his eyes. I wonder. Anyway, that's just to get you thinking about something different than my message. I find Stephen incredibly inspiring. Not because I want to be stoned to death, but I find his character inspirational. Very inspirational. Look, when you and I are under pressure, that's when we crack, eh? You can admit it. We all do it. There is no one perfect in this room. When you are under pressure, it's when all your faults come out. When I'm under pressure, it's when my faults come out. On a good day, it's easy to keep a smile on my face. On a good day, it's easy to be the pastor. Perfect pastor. Not. Yeah, it's, it's easy for all of us, isn't it? When things are going well, it's easy to be the saint. But when you're under pressure... When things are going bad and when the pressure is on, that's when all those little bits of our character that haven't yet been fully redeemed kind of break through the surface. Oh my goodness, there's humanity in there still as well. The character flaws come out. Those bits are still, and we've all got them. But I love this passage because Stephen is under tremendous pressure. You do not get more pressure than this. This is pressure unto death. Yet, he shone, literally. He shone. His character shone. His faith shone. His resolve shone. And his legacy continues to shine. And so we can read through there and go, there's a lot to learn from this guy. There's something really powerful that was happening in his life. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit in an incredible way here. But to be under that kind of pressure, 
and display what he displayed is phenomenal. I mean, how many of us are going to put up our hands and go, Barrett, if you stone me, I'm, going to, I'm not going to say a bad word until the end? Probably none of us. Maybe some of us. So maybe some of us more pure ones would be like that. But most of us probably wouldn't make it. Anyway, here we go. Father, I pray that, as, uh, that some of these um, insights into the Scripture this morning would take root in our hearts and that they would allow us to live and they would provoke us to live a purposed life, a kingdom life, a, a life that honors you in every way, in every, every shape, in every form. So Holy Spirit, I ask that it would be a supernatural transaction that takes place this morning, that uh, all the bits that are said and that that don't apply to us will just fall to the ground. But those things that you want to speak to us as individuals about today would take deep root and that they would stir and they would produce fruit that would bring honor to your name in Jesus' name. Amen. So previously, Acts chapter 6, we see Stephen was framed. This whole thing was a setup. He was framed, much like Jesus was framed. And um, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, we can read about that. It says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, those days come, don't they? One day. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, which is ironic because they were slaves to religion more than anyone. Anyway, one day, they, from the freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people. I've noticed that religious people rouse really easy. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. When I say religious people, I mean people that are governed or affected by a religious spirit. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witness said, this man always speaks against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And at this point, Stephen started glowing. So we looked at three things last time. We looked at the start of Acts chapter 7. We looked at, number one, take the opportunity that's presented to you or create the opportunity. Stephen did that incredibly well. Number two, we looked at um, to step into the promises of God requires a leaving of the familiar. We're talking about Abraham there. And number three that we looked at was often, and this was Abraham again, often the working out of God's promise looks nothing like the fruit of God's promise. That was to encourage us all. So today, I want to... Um, continue looking at this wonderful sermon of Stephen's, which is really a wonderful example of apologetics, but that is another subject. I'm not going to read the whole sermon. It goes on for a bit. So if you want to take a few notes and then go and work out about the context later, do that. I'm just going to pull a thought out of various verses, okay? So verse 6, which says, God also told him, that would be Abraham, that his descendants would live forever. Sorry, no, he didn't say that at all. God also told him that his descendants would, descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 
years. The thought to live a purposed life requires a long view. To live a purposed life requires a long view. Abraham knew what it was to think multi-generationally. Multi-generationally. God has made a, made a promise to him, and he didn't even have a child. And God's saying, but way out here, your descendants, a great nation, are going to be held captive for 400 years. That's an incredible thought when you haven't got any descendants. But Abraham knew what it was to live with a long view. He believed the promise of God. He had faith in what God had said, and so he was living life looking into the future. He was living life and behaving with descendants in mind. It's really interesting. This is in stark opposition to King Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20, when it says, um, then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this message you have given me is from, from the Lord is good. The message that he had just had delivered to him was captivity, was that his sons were going to die, that the nation was in trouble. It wasn't a good message. But he goes, this message that you've given me from the Lord is good, for the king was thinking at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. That is not a kingdom view. That is all about me. That is the, the, the polar opposite from the way that Abraham thought and the way that Abraham lived. Hezekiah, it was just, it was all about me. He couldn't care less that his sons were going to be taken off as prisoners in chains. Oh, well, it's all right, because in my time, there is going to be peace. Can I suggest to you that Kiwis live like Hezekiah? We live like Hezekiah. We're interested in the here and the now. We're interested in us, as in me, myself, and I. Interested in my own uh, peace, my own safety, my own security, my own comfort. But we don't give a lot of thought past there. I've been really, really challenged over recent times. I've been thinking a lot about this Kiwi attitude, which is very much, and maybe it's got a lot to do with the fact that we're still a young country, but, but we, we think about ourselves, and that's where it stops. Where God's been really challenging me that I need to start to think generationally. That when I'm making decisions now, I need to be thinking about my children. But not only my children, but my grandchildren. And maybe not only my grandchildren, but my great-grandchildren. It's probably getting presumptuous here. We might have all gone to heaven by then. Or not. Actually, we probably will have. But Jesus may not have come back. Newsflash, you'll probably be in heaven there. But, so, I'm trying to think spiritual heritage. I'm trying to think family heritage. I'm trying to think financial heritage. Think, what can I do now? Remember I'm talking about a purpose life. What can I do now that's going to set or help set my kids up and my grandkids and my great-grandkids up spiritually? What legacy am I living now 
that they can take hold of and they can go on my shoulders and not have to start again. Rather than thinking, I'm running this race, I'm running this spiritual race, I'm running this race with Jesus and when I drop dead, that's good, I'll drop dead, I'll go to heaven, it'll all we'll be okay, thank you Jesus, praise the Lord, I ran a good race, amen. What can I do now that's going to help set up the generations that have come at a level of leadership? What can I do now that's going to set up the next generations to succeed, the next generations to run further than we've run in the run of faith? What can we do? It's practical, but it's deeply, deeply spiritual. What can I do that will make life better for them then? Abraham understood this. He knew what it was to think way, way, way out. Even when he had nothing in his hand except a promise that it was even going to happen, he still lived in such a way that was setting it up for the generations to come. We need to adopt that Abraham spirit and smash that Hezekiah one. I think... I'm sure you know as I think about it, the Hezekiah one is, is kind of the common Kiwi one. It really is. But it doesn't mean it's a good one. Moving on. Verse 7. So we just come off that one. They'll be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said. And in the end, they will come out and they will worship me here in this place. Our journey's pathway is often flavored by our attitude and obedience towards God. Should I say that again? Yes. <laughs> our journey's pathway is often flavored by our attitude and our obedience to God. Over time, his purposes will be worked out. They will be worked out, but our response to him can shape the journey that we go on. can very much shape the journey that we go on. Staying close, staying intimate with God doesn't guarantee an easy ride. It just doesn't. You know, suddenly we're into work saying, oh, I'm going to press into God. I'm going to make sure I stay real close with God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do all these things so that I get the favor of heaven. Might, it might not quite work like that. You might find that life still happens to you. Just being close to God doesn't guarantee an easy journey. In fact, just scroll through the pages of Scripture. I think you'll find out that being close to God might guarantee that a few things are going to come your way, if anything certainly doesn't guarantee that it'll be easy. But I do know this. In James chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud. So I would far rather try and surrender to him and be intimate and close with God and walk with God every day of my life to the best of my ability and help me Holy Spirit than to be proud and have God literally opposing me. Because God is opposing me, that is going to cause, it's going to be a bad day, isn't it? In, in anyone's day, if God is opposing you, that's not going to work out okay. That, that, there's tough times. There are tough times. 400 years. You know, they were held in captivity 400 years. That was the discipline of God, 
I don't know about you, I, I haven't got 400 years. I haven't got it. I can't afford to be stuck out in the desert 400 years. Not going to be much left of me by then, simply because of pride and rebellion. So can I ask you this morning, what is your attitude towards God? What is your attitude toward Him? Because I think if we want to live a purpose life, our attitude toward Him needs to be soft. I think, again, observation, the Kiwi attitude is, well, I'll cooperate with Jesus as long as the personal cost is minimal. As soon as it starts to hurt a little or squeeze a little or cost me something, uh, yeah, my attitude changes a little bit. But no, I'll, I'll cooperate with Jesus as long as the cost is minimal. I mean, just, this isn't a judgment. I'm not making any judgments. I'm just making observations. How many of us know people right now this morning who should be sitting in church beside us? But, you know, fallen into the, oh, yeah, Kiwis go to church about once every two or three weeks. I'll just do that. And, well, what do you mean? Worship together every week. I can't do that. that would, I would have to change my lifestyle. That means I would have to get out of bed every Sunday morning. Well, that's a little, that's not much cost, is it? But I think the culture of the world is trying to lead the culture of the church, not being the building, being the people, instead of us leading the culture of the day. What do you mean it's going to cost me 10%, Lord? 10%? Come on. Surely there's got to be an out clause for that somewhere. Don't believe in that rubbish. Oh, flip, it's in the New Testament as well. Uh, cut your deal, seven. It's all good until it costs us something. Christianity costs. Living a sold-out life for Jesus is meant to cost you everything. That's right, you died. Most of you put your hands up. You died. It shouldn't hurt. It shouldn't matter. You're dead. Congratulations. Why don't you congratulate the person beside you? Just let them know they're dead. Yeah. Congratulations. You're dead. You did. 50 bullets in your head, whatever that old thing used to be. It is costly. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. I'll read that just because it's interesting. Uh, It's the church of Laodicea. And... uh, like I said, I'll read it because it's interesting. Um, where are we going? Verse, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are lukewarm, water, Neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I have everything, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I find it really interesting that this next verse, so I advise you, verse 18, so I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, 
So you will not be shamed by your nakedness and an ointment for your eyes. So you'll be able to see. What I find interesting there is this. So I will advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. That is just another way of writing Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously. It's saying seek the gold of the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. The kingdom. The things of the kingdom. And the white garments. That speaks of purity. And live righteously. Jesus is very consistent with his message, isn't he? Seek first these things. Seek first these things. It's very interesting at the moment. I've heard it um, uh, quoted a, a number of times recently that the Chinese church is, as in the church in China, is sending out an unprecedented number of missionaries into the Middle East. And do you know what they say? They're saying, we will succeed where the Western church has failed. On the basis of, we're willing to die for our faith, the Western church isn't. That's what the Chinese are saying. We will succeed where the Western church hasn't because we are willing to die for our faith. Our journey's pathway is often flavoured by our attitude and our obedience towards God doesn't promise us an easy ride at all. But it's often flavoured by our attitude toward God. Well, I've got 16 points. That's two, and I've run out of time. So let me go to my conclusion. <laughs> I love this because Stephen's preaching his heart out. If you look around Stephen in the natural, the situation is worsening for him. In fact, it's going really, really pear-shaped for him. Uh, he's not going to make it through this one. But in God's economy, things look completely different. And I want to encourage you that this living a perfect, purposed life is that in God's economy, things look completely different. Stephen is dying. He's got rocks being thrown at his head. That is a bad, bad day at the office for anyone. He's not coming home. It was not a health and safety error. But in God's economy, truth has been revealed. In God's economy, a legacy has been established forever. In God's economy, Saul is on a journey. In God's economy, an accurate biblical um, contextualization of, of God's journey with people has been presented and preserved in God's economy, he's often doing the most when we think he's doing the least. Just because you can't see God moving with your eyes doesn't mean he's not at work. When you're sleeping, God's at work. When I'm sleeping, God's at work. Can I ask you this morning where God's at work in your world? Where is God working in your world? But perhaps you haven't seen him. What aren't you seeing? You might be seeing the rocks coming. But what aren't you seeing where God's working in your world today? As you and I live a purpose life, as we keep walking forward purposely, purposefully in the things of God and seeking the kingdom, where's God working? 
in your world that you're not seeing him. Maybe, maybe you're feeling down. Maybe you're feeling a bit flat, depressed, like nobody loves me. Oh, woe is me. Where is God working that you can't see? Or you can see, but you're not aware of. Oh my goodness, that could be God. Where's he at work? Where is he waiting for your response? Or for my response? You know, when we gave our hearts to Christ, all we had to do was respond. He did all. He did it all. Jesus came. He died on the cross. He took the sin of the world, the weight of the world on his shoulders. He rose three days later, victorious over death, victorious over sin. By his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, he created the opportunity for us to be made right in our relationship with God. The relationship that was severed in generation uh, in Genesis was now repaired. And all we had to do was say, yes, Lord, I believe in you. I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you died and rose again. And we are saved. He did everything, but he left one move for us. I wonder what circumstances are happening in your world at the moment. Perhaps you're feeling frustrated by stuff, but God's saying, I've done it. I've made all the moves. The next move is yours. The next move is yours. Actually, can I ask you to just close your eyes for a minute? If you're not yet in relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you in this next moment to respond to him. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you if you'd like to step into a relationship with Jesus or you may have been in one and you've stepped back for whatever reason. I'm going to ask you, would you like to step back into that place? And I'm simply going to ask you to lift your hand this morning so I can acknowledge you. What you're saying is, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sin. And the Bible says that the belief and the confession of those things, we will be saved. In other words, we will be made right with God. We will be friends of God in this life and eternity. And it's in this relationship that our best life is lived. If you know that you need to respond to him this morning, your heart's probably pounding away right now because it's often the way the Holy Spirit moves us. And I think it would be the greatest thing today if you said, okay, Jesus, I'm putting things right. Today I choose you. I recognize you've done everything, but today I choose you. If that's you this morning, could I ask you to lift your hand, please, just so I can acknowledge you very, very quickly. Just a couple more seconds. Great. Fantastic. One more thought as I close. And it's a very, very practical one. How are you living a purposed life? And where can we improve? How are we living a purposed life? And where can we improve?
Amen. I declare God's blessing over you this week. As you go into the city, wherever you're going, that wherever you are and whenever you're there, you would be like Jesus. Father, I ask that you would stir the relevant thoughts for each person and that we would step forward in purpose, that we would step forward boldly representing you as the King of kings and the Lords of lords. And Father, that we would embrace the cost. In Jesus' name, amen. Excellent. Some great thoughts. I'm looking forward to hearing the, the rest of the points. <laughs> Some of them might come tonight. Sheridan is speaking tonight. So, yeah, some great thoughts to take home with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking. Have a wonderful day today. If you are here for the first time, then please pick up a, a, uh, one of our guest packs as you leave. There is a coffee card inside that you can fill out your details and, and enjoy a coffee in the Crossover Cafe. Um, go, go and enjoy a, a coffee. Um, and get to know some, some people that you may not have met before. Also, thank you, church, for your giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I declare blessing upon the church in Jesus' name. I declare blessing upon the tithes and offerings. Thank you, God, for, for multiplying them. Thank you, God, for what you are doing through, through the finances. Not just finances, eh? not just finances, but he is able to do a mighty work through finances. Amen. Uh, and also, if you would like prayer for anything at all, anything at all, then we would love to pray with you. There is a team ready here to pray. So please come on, come on up the front. If you would like someone to stand with you in prayer then please do that. Have a wonderful day. 6 p.m. tonight, Sheridan's going to be sharing and maybe we're going to hear some different points tonight. Another 14 right here. <laughs> Have a great day, great week.
I keep 